Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good. Good to hear. Happy Thursday. Yes. Happy Thursday to you. We just realized that our previous episode is going to go out late because I failed to send the audio that I was supposed to. <laughs> it's okay. No one's perfect. Yes. So to those of you in the past, I apologize. <laughs> but I'm excited for that episode to drop because I think it was a great conversation. I was talking to Brian Lovin. He's a pretty, uh, pretty killer designer and interesting thinker about products and design and all that. And it was, it was a good conversation. Nice. Very cool. I've admired lots of his work on Twitter before. I think he like is the guy behind or the main lead behind the GitHub mobile app, which has been, it's gotten really good. <laughs> I've been doing like a little bit of pull request review just from my phone when I'm out and about. So kudos, kudos to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how different that conversation was than uh, the conversations I have with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was kind of fun to have a different, different kind of podcast experience. Yeah. I'm excited to, uh, to hear it. So uh, in Tupelo land, we just hired three people. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't remember the last time I talked to you and where we were at with hiring and what I was saying versus not. So I'm just going to kind of rewind and maybe yeah. repeat some things. That's fine. Basically, we now are at 11 folks, which is crazy. Three recent hires. So one is a designer, a product designer. Uh, he started... Is this his first week? I guess I think he started this week. Yeah. <laughs> or last week. I've okay. lost track of everything. How funny. <laughs> These the details are, you know, as, as usual, not quite my, my forte. But anyway, so we have a designer now. Amazing. Super exciting. Uh, his name is Hugo. He's great. It's already awesome. Like just being like, hey, we want to make this new feature. It needs to look like something. Please help us figure out what it's going to look like. So like getting some like high quality mocks in Figma and like showing them to the team, getting feedback. We're going to show them to users next. And it just it feels great to, to have someone on that. Just a question on the designer. How like technical is he? Is he going to be like writing HTML, CSS or like working with the kind of Mac app stuff? Yeah, definitely writing HTML and CSS. He actually already shipped a, a page in the Rails app. Uh, we didn't have like a downloads page for Tuple. Oh, which is very smart because one of the top Google search queries for us is tuple app download. And we don't have, we had nothing for that because why would you want to help people use your product? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, 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 do the holes in the, in the funnel or like just like the, the fruit on the ground rotting slowly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. But well, now we have a downloads page. Exciting. Okay. <laughs> he's technical. He, he's proficient with HTML and CSS for sure, but also like JavaScript has um, taught himself a fair amount of just straight up programming, uh, which is a nice set of skills to have for sure. Yeah, yeah. That feels like such like a empty seat that needed to be filled kind of desperately. It was blocking so many things we wanted to do. We were like doing all these internal things and felt like uh, stuck on user facing features. Yeah, to date, have you just sort of been managing with like the the design skills that are on on staff right now for stuff or for you hired out stuff? Yep. <laughs> kind of hacking it together and like reusing existing things and mm -hmm. kind of also just mostly avoiding projects that required much UI. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, which was not, not great, but it's hard. It's hard to find good people, man. That is, <laughs> that is the takeaway in the first quarter of the year, we hired three people and that was more or less one of my big goals for the year. Like I wanted to do it as quickly as possible, but it was like, okay, I think these are the people we need for 2022. 
we're now geared up like we're, we're set team wise for for a good good while so it was hard but also we did it and that feels pretty exciting and how did you end up like finding this particular designer what was his path all of these people found us okay i think they all are, were inbound actually like they found our job ad somewhere or heard about us somewhere podcast or um, various places this is the thing i keep meaning to do is like how did you hear about us for employees and customers fortunately we have enough of a re- enough reach and enough of an audience that 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 is working for us currently we did actually hire a couple recruiters to look for a linux developer uh, which we also hired by the way they got us some candidates but the one we liked best we he just reached out to us uh, directly no recruiter success like it promising things like it helped kind of fill the pipeline a bit and also give us a baseline like we interviewed a few people and we started to get a sense of what the like market was like what what the average person was like and so that helped but yeah i don't think we have a recruiter success story yet hmm. how much how much time do you feel like you spent when you as you're like in hiring mode because obviously you're you're spending time crafting you know job descriptions you're working on distributing those to various places on the internet where people might find them what did the other like day-to-day responsibilities with respect to hiring look like were you fielding a lot of resumes or like yeah it was you know reviewing inbound stuff it was doing some cold outreach of our own like figuring out who might be interesting talking to experts in the field about how to hire people like them that was actually really helpful for our marketing hire we also made a decent playbook for hiring somebody that I can't really personally vet exactly. Like if I were hiring a developer, feel I feel comfortable with my ability to evaluate those folks um, or our ability as a company. But something like a marketer, it was a little bit like, I don't quite know what the right strategy is here. Like who, who, who do I even want to hire and what are they called? And so what do they look like? And that, that I, I went back and forth on that a few times. We eventually... The trick that seems to work is finding somebody who I am referred to by someone I trust uh, and use that person to kind of help plan the process. So like we've had Len on the podcast before and it was like, okay, Len is clearly a smart guy. He's also endorsed by other people that I know are smart and like. Um, And then Len was like, hey, you should talk to this person. He's like a really strong technical marketer. And so I did and had a good conversation with him. And he was like, how about we like chat every other week for a while? Like, you can put me on retainer for uh, a fee and I will like kind of advise you during this process. And that was super helpful for like deciding a bunch of things. In the beginning, it's just even like, what, what do we even want? Like I, I sort of know some outcomes I want, but like what are, the, what are these people called? And like what's the expected salary? And does this job posting read well and all that? Yeah, yeah. You want to be hiring people who know way more about this, the, the specific discipline than you do, but that is a tricky thing to overcome, right? Like figuring out how to how do you properly evaluate someone's knowledge that should be in excess of your own knowledge about the subject matter? Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Using my network to get a trusted referral to an expert, and then using that expert's expertise to hire somebody good, I think is going to be kind of my my takeaway from this is like that, that seems to work pretty well. Kind of TBD because we'll see how these folks work out, but you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> it seems to have worked. I feel pretty good about it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so zooming out. So we hired a designer. He started. That's been great. Like I love getting invited to Figma docs and like seeing 
beautiful new versions of tuple and just being like oh that's a nice way to do that like that's looking looking really nice and, and slick and i just can't wait to like have that sort of spread throughout the whole every like touch point so we hired a marketer i'm calling him a, a marketing engineer uh and his name is aaron francis oh yeah okay from the from the community yeah. exactly so I tweeted about this after that one of those conversations with that marketing expert folk or person. I sort of said, I think I'm looking for someone that can kind of do this. And we, we basically went from saying like, hey, we want a head of marketing to maybe build a marketing team or to sort of own the whole thing. And what this other person encouraged me to do was to look for sort of more of like a dev advocate kind of thing or like a dev evangelist or basically someone that can make things that developers think are cool is the is the way we've been thinking about this this position. And so less less traditional marketer with a marketing background and more like developer with a marketing slant who has like kind of the knack for making interesting is like creative and you know well-spoken and like has a high quality bar and can make things that we are going to feel excited to have associated with the brand that are not maybe not necessarily overtly marketing and so i tweeted about this and Aaron responded and like sent me some things that he had done. And it was like, yes, this is exactly it. Like he has this great Twitter thread, for example, about these robots he built to create handwritten notes to the customers of this company that he was working for. And so it's like a 2D printer for handwriting, <laughs> basically. Wow. Um, and it's like this like long Twitter thread. It's like, it was really interesting. And it was like, yes. Also, like I watched like a live coding talk he gave. And like the live coding talk was really good. And like his writing was really good. And there were just all these sort of... It was clear he was capable in a bunch of different medium. We sort of started chatting and it was like, yeah, like my vision is less like you create content that is like, oh, this is a pair programming affiliated thing. And maybe we do that, but more like you're making just interesting things that are going to get shared around by developers and sort of are going to reflect back on us indirectly. To make this decision required you to sort of figure out what marketing channel you want to focus on right now, right? Which I think, and I think that's probably smart to like you, you have a hunch on what's going to be effective. And rather than hiring someone who's more of a generalist who would then look at it and tell you, yeah, you should do engineering as marketing projects. And then like, but, you know, a marketer, like a less technical marketer may not have the ability to actually execute on those things. So, like, this seems like the right, you know, p presuming that, like, this is this is going to be a pretty good channel. Like, this is the right type of person to uh, to, like, execute on stuff in that channel. I think so. Yeah. The, the more I thought about it and talked about it, the more it made sense to hire a developer with, like, a marketing bent. And uh, actually, funny enough, like, every person at Tuple, all 11 people are programmers. <laughs> like can write code so it's like this this seems to be our our playbook so far is like oh we need like um someone to do customer support well let's hire someone who's a programmer that likes doing customer support it feels like a great shortcut to like understanding the customer i couldn't picture hiring a marketer that just like couldn't like didn't understand programmers deeply or or, or would be like oh yeah let's let's make some content uh let me try to find someone to make us content and i was like well wouldn't it be nice to just have someone that could make the content? So yeah, we kind of like dropped down a level and, and went more direct. I'm feeling very optimistic about that, but we'll see. It hasn't it hasn't worked yet, so don't mm -hmm. don't take this as, as lessons learned. <laughs> These are this is the current strategy. Mm -hmm. 
are, are um, all these people reporting to you or what's what does this um, kind of reporting structure look like? Yeah. So Hugo, the designer, is going to report to me and, and Aaron will also report to me. Yeah. So I have four, I guess. Well, sort of direct single level reports. And then I don't know. Depends how you think of the org chart. But yes, mm-hmm. more, more Ben people, more mm-hmm. or less. Okay. Does that feel, does it feel manageable? Yeah, it does currently we're, we're just getting started so we'll see our hiring has tended towards the senior end of things like we are hiring really capable expensive experienced folks and so it's sort of less me telling them what to do than it would be if they were like less experienced mm-hmm. yeah so like your designer will be I mean, you guys are doing your kind of shape up stuff where you're planning out chunks of work. And now the designer will sort of just be like looped in on a lot of these projects, right? That anything that involves, you know, something more um, interface type of work. Yeah. So the, the way I expect it to work for a while is that I am choosing the projects and probably also like doing a shaped pitch for them. And then once that is more or less settled, bringing in the designer and saying like, okay, not everything is figured out, but the boundaries of this have been drawn. And if that's how we work together going forward, that's probably fine. I think ideally, depending on how it goes, I would step even further back from that and say like, hey, we, gotta, we need something that like deals with this problem. Or like, I really want us to like build a thing that looks like this um, at a very high level. And then have Hugo do the, the shaping and the design. That would be awesome, but who, who knows if that will work out exactly. So it kind of depends on where the uh, where everything falls. I'm sure he's going to have a lot of ideas about like stuff, how things could be better that, you know, would be maybe outside of outside of your zone of genius of like being able to even recognize like that this should be a project that you take on, you know? So it's like, it's interesting to think about how to yeah, that's like something I've been thinking about a lot is like how to how to remove myself as a bottleneck for different processes in the company, you know, and I think you're actually pretty good at that. It seems like from the outside, like you're pretty good at like taking a step back and letting people, you know, pick up the baton and and leverage their skills. And that's something I'm trying to trying to make sure that I do it better this time around. I mean, especially because in the early days of drip, we hired like less less senior folks. So I felt like I needed to be having my hand in a lot more of the like nitty gritty details of something. Whereas with, with someone who's people who are more senior, like they, you should, you should probably like be, I should be letting them releasing them to use their skills, you know, to their fullest and not trying to like micromanage details or whatever. So, yeah, I'm interested still in like having hands on the product like I could see us someday like hiring a head of product or something and like I just really am fully out of the like day-to-day of the product work. But for now, and I would imagine for at least like a year, let's say, I, I w- would like to be in the product. That's like that's where I've been like kind of wanting to get back to. It's like the, the like I was very in it in the beginning and then as things grew, there was more for me to do that wasn't the product. And now it feels like I have people in the seats so that I can kind of come back to product for a while. So I'm looking forward to that, spending time on that going forward. I think that's what makes me the happiest is, is the product work. But I also, I have kind of a natural uh, disinterest in most details, I guess. 
I guess like product stuff is like one there's like the one area where I kind of like am like a, a nitpicker, I think. Uh, maybe writing as well. And other people are probably thinking there's other things too. But I think I'm sort of naturally like interested in the big picture and generally pretty happy to hand off things like like lower level details to folks. Um, so I, I think that probably will happen here eventually as well. I think for you, that will probably be a challenge because I think you are a, you're a detail, you seem like detail oriented more so than I am. Yeah, I think so. I, I do get obsessive about small things, which it has served me well, I think, because especially with like a UI heavy product where it's like micro interactions are important and like, like details matter. I think that's at least my hypothesis that like you can, you can gain some kind of edge by being a nicer experience product to use, but to achieve that requires, yeah, it does require a, a lot of attention to detail, which gets, it does get exhausting. Like, and, and it's something that I think is hard to, it's hard to scale, I think, you know, but yeah, something that I think, think is good to maintain. So hundred percent. I think that's, I think it requires constant maintenance. Like, I think if you are not trying really, really, really hard to make it super great, you'll end up with crap. You really do have to kind of stay on top of it, I feel like. I think a critical thing that organizations need is people with maybe kind of absurd standards, <laughs> like trying to always push it higher. Because there's just, there's so much, it's just so hard to make good software that if you're not like trying insanely hard to make it really great, you just will never even get close. So I had like a good conversation with a, with a mentor the other day and I was sort of just sort of just like brain dumping some of my, you know, things that I'm, I'm anxious about or thing as I'm thinking about like the future of the company and, and, you know, making the right strategic moves and am I focusing my time in the right areas? And at the end of it, I kind of felt like I'm, uh, it's like, man, I don't really, I don't consider myself like an anxious person or, or necessarily that much of a neurotic person. But when I actually like start like spilling my guts about like all these things that I'm thinking about. I'm like, wow, I do sound pretty neurotic. And he was like, yeah, I, a little bit. And I think, and he's like, I think that's why that might be the reason why you like succeed. Like if you weren't thinking a bit neurotically about a lot of these things, then, then, you know, that might actually be a, to your detriment. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I think I have to recognize that there's that tension of like, I, I don't want to get into an unhealthy zone where I get too, you know, too anxious or stressed about things, but also like there's a healthy amount of that to, to, to stay on top of and stay sharp, you know? Yeah. So it might be the case that like optimal mental health and startup foundership are somewhat in opposition. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> so. if you were purely like, if you were maximizing your own relaxation and happiness, yeah, it would probably make you a slightly worse founder probably. <laughs> probably i think a little bit of that like obsession or like you know maybe working a little too hard or mm -hmm. caring a little too much I, I think is sort of optimal from a business perspective probably or like closer yeah. to closer to very good i guess yep yep yeah i'm excited to get back into that role of like kind of obnoxious pain Mm -hmm. who's <laughs> asking for lots of revisions and like, oh, I, mm -hmm. I, like, can we get rid of one click over here? Or like, why does this word not match this word? Or mm -hmm. um, I think I've been, I've been away from the product a bit. And I think you, 
I, I feel like it's it's probably been a bit of a detriment to not have someone who's just like really obnoxious and has the ability to be like, no, no, let's stop these projects and work on this instead because um, we need to. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of be back in that role. Because mm-hmm. what you don't want to do is like just start trending toward the mean of like, oh, we move kind of slowly and we build kind of average stuff, you know, like, and that's that's just how things naturally want to trend towards. So being you know, being hyper-focused on something and really pushing it to excellence. There's a lot of, it's fulfilling to do that too, I think, you know. Oh yeah. Really good. Did you, like, I, I think I've said this before, but like, I, I feel like my mission on Tuple is like, like the thing I want is I just want to feel really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, like, this is the best thing that I know how to make. Like I, we have like, I've thrown everything I can at this and like, it's never going to be perfect, but like, I, I can't tell how to make it better or something or like, or at least, you know, like I, uh, I just don't want to be like, oh yeah, I know this part sucks or I know that thing sucks or like, and maybe that'll always be there, but I just want to feel like, no, this is really good. This like, this represents me. I'm, I would put this in front of everyone and feel like, yes, this is, this is amazing. And like there, there are parts of it that feel close to that, but it also feels like there's, there's a long way to go before I'm like, this is really like, this is my best work. There's a tweet from Toby, uh, look, uh, Shopify founder. And someone had asked him, I think, like, how do you prevent the reversion to the mean of like software quality? And he was like, it's the hardest thing to do in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, this is this view is kind of self-serving, but I'm going to go ahead and say that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels, yep. feels hard. It does. It does. The business can be a success, a moderate success at much lower levels of quality than you're capable of. And so it's like, Oh, these problems over here, but it's only a small percentage of people. And like, when I look at the numbers, like the MRR is going up. So like, it's, it's fine, right? Like, maybe I don't need to worry about this, but I think it's that obsession with like, no, 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 it has to be awesome for everyone or it has to still work well in this context or like, we can't be, we can't accept this level of churn or something is like where, where the really good stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to look around at products that like oftentimes some of the most successful products in a category are like you know, like look glaringly bad or like just there's things about them where you're like, how in the world are they the dominant player? And that has always kind of vexed me a little bit. Like, I mean, I guess it goes to show that like sometimes the things that I feel like are most important clearly aren't necessarily that important to everyone in the market. But also like, I just don't feel like I'm that interested in building that kind of business where quality doesn't really matter that much. And it's more about like sales, you know, or something. I just, uh, that just doesn't, doesn't resonate with me as a founder, I guess. And I think that's an important thing to know about oneself. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And that's like, I have, I have like a financial goal for the year, like a, like a revenue goal for the year um, and margins. That's a, that's a new thing for me. <laughs> like caring about, oh, you're like, hey, we have payroll now that matters. <laughs> what's, what, what, what's the profit left over? But anyway, like that's, so that's a thing that's, uh, I have a goal for that, but I feel like the, the the goal that is driving me more is honestly just like, I want to love this thing. like, And I want other people to love it. And, I, and when they say they love it, I want to be like, yeah, I get why you love it because it's great because we made it amazing. Yeah. But anyway, we raised our prices. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh. For new, uh, for new customers. Okay. What's, uh, what was the, what's the so delta? We bumped it to, to 30 per month per user for, for new folks. I talked to uh, talk to your buddy Rob, and he was pushing me. Okay, nice. Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> we hadn't we've so we we were we've been twenty five um, 
per user per month since the beginning, like since we launched four years ago. And so I was like, yeah, you know, it does kind of feel like it might be time for this. Um, Rob was actually suggesting 35, but I was just like, it's just, I don't like how spiky that number is. Mm-hmm. It's too odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 30 two odds back bad. to back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. Two primes, gross. Just, right. It just feels bad. Right. It's either going to be 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. It's funny how how much of this stuff is just like you're just pulling a number out of thin air and like eh, no, 35, no. Eh, maybe. Eh. <laughs> no, no, it was very carefully researched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of tests. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we're currently grandfathering, or like we're we're not we haven't changed on any any existing customers, but we've been kicking the idea around. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. That's that's not a now thing. Um, there's there's been some things people have been asking us for for a while that I want to deliver first, and then reevaluate that uh, situation. I don't I don't feel like we've earned the price increase. Yeah, it's um, it's nice to be able to position that in a way of like, look at all the amazing like progress we've made since you locked in your price at this lower amount, and now it, to reflect that, we're going to raise our price. You know, it's a much stronger position to to come from. It should come on the heels of some some great things that people are excited mm-hmm. about i think yeah yeah people talk about us as expensive but that that seems to have died down a bit and i was like huh this has died down a bit let's see if we can get it back <laughs> get up. get that back <laughs> yeah so yeah, we'll see we'll see how that goes mm-hmm. but yeah man that's the whole raise your prices thing it's like oh we could just have 20 percent more revenue yeah um it's <laughs> like okay that's interesting yeah yeah Maybe that's the thing hmm you're not structuring this as like a test. It's just the, the pricing page has a new value on it. And you're just you're just going to kind of... Well, how long has it been live for? Do you have... Uh, a couple days. Okay. So you don't have a, like a strong sense yet if it's like has produced a significantly different uh, like conversion rate from your pricing page or anything like that. Um, I have not. We don't have the data. I'm not even tracking that, honestly, which is shenanigans, but that's oh, the truth. Interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you tracking that? Um, definitely. Yes, I'm tracking like someone who visits conversion rate of visiting the site to signing up. And then from, of course, from like signing up to trial and trial to paid. What are you using for that? So I have a lot of the like web analytics stuff just configured through Fathom. And then. Does that give you that, that conversion rate? That gives me the, conv- that gives me like some of the earlier conversion rates like visited visited to created a sign up for a trial or um, sign up for an overlay and then and then once they have an account that i'm using well i can get the trial conversions that actually comes out of my um my database at the moment like on people who sign up for a sign up for a savvy cal account and then what percentage of those people actually start a trial because i'm not creating customers for all the non-trialers so i'm not getting like a that conversion rate, I have to look in my own database to, to calculate that. And then and then trial to paid, of course, comes through either Stripe Analytics or ProfitWell. Yeah, this is a great thing for Aaron to do, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, Aaron, uh, we should probably know this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So more, more metrics tracking would be good. Yep. Yeah, I'm doing a uh, Twitter space next week. Oh, cool. With our friend cool. Colin Nettercorn. Oh, nice. Yeah. Customer I.O. Mm-hmm. which would be fun that's man that's a great product by the way 
Twitter Spaces? Uh, oh, no. no Customer, Customer Royale. Royale. <laughs> yeah. 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 Twitter Spaces I, is fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've long been a fan. Like, they sort of grew up in the same era that Drip did. And yep. we, I mean, we weren't like, I wouldn't say we were like head-on competitors even because it was slightly different positioning and different use cases and stuff, but definitely always like admired their uh their work and Colin's yeah, a really smart guy. It's, uh, it's solid. They they yeah. aggressively improve it. Like pretty mm-hmm. like they, they ship a lot of stuff. Yeah. Also I don't know if you've seen he's he's been tweeting. He shared like their um uh co- like revenue cohort graph. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like a stacked line chart of like the cohorts over time. Yeah. It's absurd. Quite a flex. Quite a flex. Oh my God. <laughs> so jealous. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, the customers that we got like eight years ago, like we have like 130% of their revenue. It's like, yeah, Jesus. I know. Wow. I know. Like we could just all go to the beach and this, this, <laughs> the revenue would grow like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those like hard to get customers, but easier to keep them, I think, kind of businesses. Yes, exactly. I might want to start one of those one day. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an interesting space to be in. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's, there's like, like we've talked about, there's always some like kind of really tough challenge about a business. And I think that would be an interesting one to sign up for. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to probably grow slowly, but like at, once we've got someone they're they're pretty locked in. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's something that we can probably, we can sort of potentially do that with our current products too. Cause I feel like mine's a very low barrier, relatively low cost per user. That is something strategically that I'm thinking about. Like, after some strategy sessions with Rob recently, actually, you know, we kind of honed in on like, it would be nice to increase average revenue per customer for Savvy Cal. It's like lower than, lower than I would want it to be. And I think that's going to primarily come from getting more team adoption, but just, it kind of makes sense. Like the more team adoption you have, the stickier it becomes because it, you know, it's just has more, uh, more tentacles inside of an organization. You know, it's it's baked more into people's processes, so they're less likely to churn, and there's more revenue coming through, and that just sort of makes sense. Like, there's basically a correlation between average revenue per account and churn, and they, and it's like, and it was funny. Like Rob shared something recently. It was like chart mogul data, and it was a graph of like the median churn rate, average churn rate at different um, levels of average revenue, and I was like basically very very close to the median, <laughs> and. So, yeah, that's like strategically something that I've just been thinking about, like, how do we nudge this number in the right direction, make the product stickier, drop yeah. churn? I have the same. I have the same thing. Our churn is probably like a little bit above those median numbers, I think. Um, like we have a... It's easy to get... It's fairly easy to get started, I would Well, kind of easy to get started. Now that you have that um, download page. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> now that we let you get started, it's way easier. Uh Yep. If we get actually plugged into people's workflows, it's fairly sticky. Like at companies where like a bunch of users start using it, we are we have like good results for sure. But we have a lot of like failure to launch customers where it's like, yeah, they like they were interested, but they didn't quite really get going. Like, oh, it turns out it's just like a little more like it's it wasn't quite convenient enough to like take over people's like and actually become a part of the default workflow. Which makes sense. Like it's you have to be like really good and really have a really easy on-ramp. I was, I was experiencing this with another product recently. It, it's a, it was like a workflow tool, like an asynchronous communication thing. And I started using it a bit and I was like kind of becoming like an active user. And then I just 
it just kind of was like a little bit annoying enough to make me not want to keep doing it. And it wasn't anything like super huge, but it was just like a few little UX things. And it's like, oh, it's kind of annoying that like this page loads kind of slowly. And like, it's a bit too many clicks to do this thing. And I just found myself like falling out of their funnel. Um, and it was interesting to experience to be like, yep, okay. I see like having experiences with someone else's tool, I can totally see like how this could happen with Tuple. And so a part of my plans for this year is building things that let us uh, slot into people's workflows more nicely and like sweating those details. Like how many clicks does it take to do this thing? Or like, and also just like getting a bit more data-driven and obsessive around like, what is the 95th percentile experience? Or like, or like the opposite of that, like what's the, what, what are the crappy experiences on Tuple like? Like when, when your internet is terrible or like when you have like worst case scenario going on, like what, what is that like? How bad is that? Because it's all those little, all those little things matter a lot. Mm-hmm. They sure do. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing for Savvy Cal too, is like, you know, people are, people are happily using it today, but like, I know there are probably more people who would use it more proactively if there was like a button right there in their email client where they could just like pop a Savvy Cal link in or like automatic like intelligently figure out some slots to propose and just like shortcut that process entirely i think that would be a major usage driver and use usage means less churn and da, 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 da. so yep yeah meeting people where they are is kind of like i have a, there are a few critical features for us to build that, is, that are like that like killer slack integration like url addressable tuple mm-hmm. rooms I would like love to having that, a having that in Savvy Cal. <laughs> Dude, that, that's literally how we talk about it, actually. Yeah. It's like until Tuple is an option on Savvy Cal, like we're we're clearly failing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's like all or like, you know, an extension for uh, like VS Code or something. Like kick off a tuple call from uh, from your IDE. Like there's just like a lot of like, you know, I'm already in this tool. How fast can you get me into yours? It's like I think n- important. Seems small is big. Yeah. Indeed. And it's like we're building we're building a network here. Like it's I'm trying to build a, a network of active tuple users inside a company. And so the things that get people in the door and actually using it and active and available for calls and, and encouraging teammates to use it and people seeing the aha moment and all that, all those things that can like really add up and like completely like f- like can like f- push you over like a activation energy barrier that turns a like failed trial into a six figure enterprise deal. Yep. Yep. And for the same, for similar reasons why, like I had such trouble in the level days, like, like actually getting organizations to shift away from Slack. It's like the amount of like organizational overhead in getting someone to like, just install a different pairing app on their computer. Once they like already have the one and they're already connected to all the people inside the org and like all that stuff's already there. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, they're very unlikely to want to train, you know, send out communication and get everyone in the org to switch. Like, it's just not worth the, worth the pain. So then you have your tentacles in. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yes. The tentacles must go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Linux general release coming up. Sweet. We have a date. I think I should say the date. Okay. Say it. It's April 18th. April 18th. Yep. All right. So now it's now it's on the record. Okay. Nice. We pushed it back once mm-hmm. um, to give some more space and chill out a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think we're 
the, the end is, is in sight. And we have a Linux developer starting that I kind of forgot to talk about, but I'm excited about mm-hmm. him too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's going to be cool. We found ourselves like a, a proper, I don't want to use the term neckbeard, but you know, like a, yeah. a real Linux, <laughs> a, a real Linux user. Yep. Yep. You know, kind of uses a hardcore kind of distro, mm-hmm. has written like drivers, mm-hmm. um, probably recompiles kernels for fun. I don't know. <laughs> um, but amazing. it was like, we, we, were, we, were, we were missing like a, you know, a platform expert. Yep. And, you know, doing our best and I, I think doing a good job. But this is like, okay, someone coming in who has, you know, the wisdom and the experience and the strong opinions yep. um, on that platform. And so yeah. I think it's going to be a, a, a big, a big win for us there. Yeah, that's great. That's what you and need. He starts uh, soonish, so um, his his fingerprints will be on the Linux client by the time it launches. Nice. Mm-hmm. Soon, those will all be his his problem. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Spencer is excited to, to switch to another project. Yeah, I bet he's been Linuxing for like a like a year now, basically. Oh man, I, th- I think it was like yeah, about March or uh, or so of last year, where we were like, mm-hmm. let's do a Linux client. Shouldn't mm-hmm. be too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> famous last words oh, oh the hubris yeah yeah oh, the hubris but now like we have like this plat- cross-platform engine which is exciting and like built in a way that makes it testable we had an issue the other day of like oh like in, in certain scenarios like the fr- like the online users list was messed up which has been a, po- a pain point for us like on and off a lot of times and this is the first time we were like oh we figured out what was wrong and added tests at the engine level to prevent it from happening again and fixed it and it was like oh yes that is the kind of thing that makes me really happy. And that, like now that should be correct on every platform forever. Like we shouldn't have that same bug, which is like just pretty great. The long journey through the refactoring wilderness yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is about to kind of pay off. We're about to emerge, emerge blinking into the sun of a new day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Swaddled by tests. And on day one, you'll get asked, so when is Windows coming? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, this is great. Thanks. Uh, where's the Windows client so I can send it to my other coworkers? Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I quit. Windows, Windows is becoming more of a question mark for me this year. Yeah. The original plan was like both this year. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and having done it more like now I'm kind of like, let's see how having two clients goes for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, there's lots of developers over there. No, we're not getting quite as many requests for it. And like, that's not the best metric for like determining how, how big an impact that would have on the business. But there are other things I think I would prioritize above that. And if we have to push it to later, that seems okay to me. Yeah. Yeah. We might be getting better at this. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting yeah. to have a year-long project see the light of day. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. And just like move people off like hand it to somebody and move other people off it and you know not make it the primary focus and um there's like that final coming home of the like okay we have the cross-platform engine and now it is being used by both clients and the old stuff is gone and we can delete these dependencies and stop using these other services and like like the the payoff is like it's not it hasn't quite happened yet but we're really close so it's like april like by the end of april i think we're we're unified on the new engine which is going to be great nice very cool yeah Good stuff, man. Yeah. So it only took, you know, <laughs> we thought this would be done last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, good software takes a long time. It does. It does. There's still a lot to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. There's that Joel Spolsky article, good software takes 10 years. That might still be true. 
I think so. We're 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 coming up on our fourth birthday. Oh, so wow, time yeah. flies. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> Four <laughs> yep. years. Four years down the drain. No, it's pretty good. Yeah. Four years. Isn't that crazy? So yeah, we're coming up on the fourth birthday. So that means by 2028. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have produced some good software. Tuva will be like legit. Feels <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm. like a lifetime away. Yeah. And yet it'll probably be here before we know it. Yep. All right. You want to wrap this thing? Yeah, let's wrap it. Okay. Notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye-bye.